as most all of you know, I spent the weekend in jail. Um, not because of a crime that I, I committed, um, I, not because I was arrested for DUI or domestic violence or anything like that. I, I was in jail on a spiritual impact weekend serving with the Rockford Reach Out Jail Ministry. Uh, the jail is located right here in this building. Uh, this is uh, the Winnebago County Justice Center right in downtown Rockford. Uh, the jail portion, if you look over there, is far on the right-hand side. We were in the, the fourth floor is where we spent our weekend. We had 12 of us from the outside, spent time with 28 residents in the jail. That's what they prefer to be called, residents, not necessarily inmates, but they're, they're residents in there. And here's a picture of our team, and uh, I trust that those of you from Rock Valley Bible Church can, can recognize a few of us, right? You see me, the little guy up in the right, um, and then Gary Lundberg, right smack dab in the middle. He led the team, doing a great job with that, and Joe Stokite. In the, the front left, front, yeah, front left is where he is there. Um, we've got a dozen of us, but the real heroes of this weekend really are the two guys in front, uh, John Evans and Dave Thurman. Now, some of you may know John, particularly maybe. He kind of gets around. He's been to lots of churches. He's been a, a, um, he's been a jail chaplain for maybe eight years, something like that. Dave Thurman has been an, a jail chaplain there for chaplain for 20 years. And these two men just go into the jails day in, day out, week in, week out for many, many years and have gained great favor with the administration in the jail. Um, I, I don't think the superintendent is a Christian. I, I, might, I, I don't think so, but he sees the effect of what happens when there's just ministry happening in his jail it calms things down, there's peace, there's good influence in there. And, and these two men are the ones who really open the door to make weekends like this possible. And, and they schedule these weekends about every three months, about every four times a year. And this weekend was the 19th weekend that this took place. Um, and so you can kind of calculate that out. Four times a year, 19 is about four or five years. But with COVID, there was some interruption there. And so I mean, they've been going five or six years it's a very unique thing. This doesn't happen in most jails uh, across the nation. In fact, I think this might be the only nation, the only jail that they know that this happens. This happens a lot of times at prisons, um, but not so much at jails. It's called the Spiritual Impact Weekend, which those men in jail who've demonstrated spiritual interest and a, a commitment to Christ have come together for a weekend to be encouraged and strengthened and challenged their walk with Christ. And it's John and Dave who really have a feel on these men, and they're the ones who in, invite them as they lead their countless Bible studies each week, and um, they, they just determine. They, they, they know who would be helped most by this weekend. There's a limitation. The, the 34 were invited. There were some who just refused, you know, just uh, said, no, I can't take that. I, I, I can't do that. I ended up with about 28 participants. My guess is that eight or ten of them were on uh, another spiritual impact weekend, but for the rest of them, this was their first time. So you're talking 18, um, 16 of them, very new, did have no idea what was going on. Well, we, we spent our weekend in a place that looks like this. In fact, that's an actual pod in uh, the Winnebago County Jail. It, it looks like exactly like that, except uh, we weren't in 4D, we were in 4H. But other, other than that, like Everything's the same, same color, same configuration, with rooms on two levels. You got the upper deck, you got the, the lower deck. There are 33 rooms in all, same room numbers, same shower facilities, <clears throat> way up there in the upper right, um, same five steel picnic tables, um, same televisions, except ours were off the entire weekend, and uh, the same looking dress of the inmates or residents. Um, some in green, there are some in brown, there were some in, in red striped. Um, these all mean different things. If you, you've got a green jumpsuit on, it means that you're in jail for a crime that took place in Illinois. And if you're a red and white stripe, it means that you're in jail for a federal crime. So it's kind of like a, a different dichotomy there. Some are in brown, you don't see any in this picture, but brown... Um, the, the, those in brown are, are kind of the more trusted inmates who can have uh, freedom, and they do a lot of cooking and serving, and basically free labor is what they are, but they're free labor with privileges. Like one man said that uh, 
I get uh, two mattresses, which I really like. And he says he gets a little bit better food, like hamburgers sometimes and soda that the others don't get. Well, the weekend began on Thursday evening. We spent a few hours kicking off the weekend, and then I spent all day Friday and all day Saturday in a place that looks just like that. The team is there right now. Um, I'm skipping out this morning, but planning to return quickly after our service for the wrap-up. I'm greatly looking forward to that because I got to know these men, and they become friends. And um, it's good to hear their, their testimonies. Well, my message is... This morning is entitled, My Weekend in Jail. Totally topical sermon this morning. I mean, normally, you know, I just open a passage, we just look through it, we work out, not today, all right? So uh, you forgive me with that, or whatever, be encouraged by that. I think you'd be encouraged. And by way of outline, I just have a laundry list of things that I, that I learned that I'd like to address uh, this morning. I, I have seven points this morning. They're going to come fast and furious and sort of random, um, but I trust they'll be encouraging to you. First off, my, my weekend in jail came by invitation. Gary Lundberg invited me to join this group this weekend. I looked at my schedule and, and everything in, involved. I, I talked with uh, my wife, Yvonne. I talked with the elders. They gave me the thumbs up. I was able to go as long as I'm back here on Sunday morning. So that's fair. And so I, I'm back. Um, I know that several of you have received invitations from Gary as well. Uh, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands, but you have. some of you have. And, and maybe my message this morning will be pushed to you to join him on a weekend at some point. Um, and if you would like to be invited, talk to Gary and he'll invite you to come to a weekend if he hasn't talked to you. And you're more than welcome to come, I, I am sure. Um, you, you can just come and just sit at a table and listen. That's a mission. You say, no, I can't, I can't serve. Can you listen? You're qualified to come. And this is for men, okay? This is aimed aim towards you men. Particularly, maybe it's really appropriate here for Father's Day. To aim towards you, man. In fact, my aim in my message this morning is I want to convince some of you to come next time. And that we at Rock Valley Bible Church would have more representation in the ministry. There were 12 there uh, who came in, and this weekend they said that was uh, a light. Um, they, they prefer to come in more like 15 or 18 men. And so there's room, there's opportunity if you would like to come. That's my aim. I'm trying to show you the blessings of that. Be helpful for your spiritual growth and be helpful for us at church if more of us would be involved. Uh, my second thought here this morning, my weekend in jail felt like a mission trip, except I got to go home every night. So it was a very short mission trip, just about like 20 minutes downtown and then I was, was back again. But see, think about it. When you go on a mission trip, three things, right? You go to an unfamiliar place and you, um, you go to a people who look differently than you and you go to a people who are needy and very glad that you have come. That's been my experience always, right? Unfamiliar place. People look different than I do. They're needy, and they are, are very glad that you've come. And all this is true in the going in the jail. Like, a jail pod is unfamiliar to most of them. How many of you have ever been in a jail pod before? Okay, a couple of you. Good, good, good. But for many of you, you've never been in a place like that. It's unfamiliar. And even going in there, it's unfamiliar. It's kind of surreal. The, the people in the pod look different than I look. Not not that they're different. I mean, if you go to Walmart, you look at the guys at Walmart, these guys look exactly the same. Same cross-section. Just their uniforms set them apart, make them look different than I do. They wear big, baggy jumpsuits and sandals, and I have typically worn jeans and a long sleeve shirt. And everyone in the pod is needy. They all know that they're in jail because of the wrongs they've done. They all recognize their sin. You know, the, the difficulty with America, and oftentimes sharing the gospel with people, is that first step is a big step. Do you recognize your sinner? People, no, I'm a pretty good guy. I haven't murdered anybody. I said, Hitler's the standard, right? I'm, I'm, I'm pretty good. Not these guys. These guys know right off that they are, are sinners. They've all recognized their sin. They, now all these men that we're with has made a profession of faith, and they are so glad that we came. In fact, every day, we enter into the back door. So if you look there, you can see an exit sign way up there, the, the exit sign there, kind of in, in red there. That's the door, the, the one door that you come in and go out of. And every time we enter that, you know what happens? As we're walking in, and we're kind of like, okay, like, all right. They are so happy and glad that we have come. 
that they spontaneously clap. They clap in appreciation. We've made the effort to come and visit them and help them with a walk with Christ, especially this weekend, Father's Day. As many of them are hurting for Father's Day, as many of them know that the people coming in are fathers and they're sacrificing some things for Father's Day, they recognize the sacrifice and they're appreciative. Another reason they're they're thrilled that we've come is because their weekend is like a vacation for them. Uh, Staffing levels at the Winnebago County Jail are very low right now. And um, it's often um, that those speaking, I spoke with this this weekend, I I talked to them. It's often that the the residents in the jail would spend the majority of their time in their rooms. The majority of their waking hours in their rooms and only having a limited time in the common area. In fact, several residents who I was talking to this weekend said that, um, like just within this past month, one time they had locked down for two weeks and then this other guy had locked down for a week. That's 24 hours a day in a six-by-eight cell just because of some administrative things or there's some problem or staffing concerns. They just were in there. Now, for one guy, he, he, um, he didn't have a cellmate. He was two weeks alone without a cellmate. Uh, when he gets his meal, they just open the slot and they give him the meal tray, close it up, they come back around in half an hour and they take that out. And then maybe whatever, you can shout through the, the windows to see people or something, but not, not a lot. And that was hard. He said that got really old. Uh, another guy who was locked down for a week had a roommate, had a cellie, a cellmate. And that made things difficult, Con- confined in a small space for a long time. But during the spiritual weekend, spiritual impact weekends all changed. They're all out in the common area for 12 hours a day talking with others about Jesus. And unlike the normal pods, which um, one man described it to me as being chaos, he said that, that's what it's normally like in their pods, right? Because everyone in this pod basically come out of their other pods to come into this Christian pod for a weekend. And, and everyone in this pod, rather than the chaos going on, they're just there encouraging one another. And one resident who'd been been at a Spiritual Impact Weekend before said, when I came here, I was just overwhelmed by the positivity of the weekend, right? Because, uh, can you maybe help this, whatever's going on? Maybe it's my problem. He was overwhelmed by the positivity of the weekend. And it's so different than what they normally experience. Another resident gave the testimony last night. We had like an open mic time last night. He says, I've been incarcerated for seven years. Some of that's down south of Illinois, in Illinois. Some of that's in Chicago. Seven years. He said, this is the best thing I've ever experienced. They love it when we come in. They're eager and excited that we would come to jail for a weekend, right? Just like those in the mission feel excited that I've come from America. You've come from America. Wow, welcome. You've come to see us. Now, one final way that missions trip has not felt, uh, it's not like a missions trip, though, is that I felt far safer this weekend than I did have on any missions trip I've taken. Maybe it has to do with the fact that when I've taken missions trips, I've gone intentionally to hard places where many Americans don't like to go, where it's difficult to go. I, I focused my missions activities, training pastors in India and Nepal, where missionaries are not welcome, and where it's illegal to convert people to Christianity. And I wanted to go to those places. I want to go where it's hard. And, um, and I'm coming to this country trying to be coy about my intentions. I'm, I come as a tourist. And yeah, I like to tour things. But I'm going to tour churches and pastors and teach them as well. But the fact remains, I felt far safer in jail than I've ever felt at the airport at Kathmandu. Not because the airport in Kathmandu is so um, dangerous. It's just that there was like zero apprehension of fear. Especially you walk in, these guys are applauding you. And, and I'm no threat to them. I'm coming to bring them a blessing and a help. And so they embrace us totally. So, man, if you want to take a missions trip in three months, talk to Gary. Well, my third point, right? A weekend in the jail is following a divine mandate. So if you want to open your Bibles, it's totally fine. I encourage you to do that. We're going to look at Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 3. It's just uh, one, one little verse, really, that speaks about 
prison and prisoners. I'm going to read verses 1, 2, and 3. It just sets the context a little bit. He says, Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 1, Let brotherly love continue. Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unawares. And here comes the verse. Remember those who are in prison as though in prison with them, and those who are mistreated since you also are in the body. Three verses, three commands. They have to do with love. The first is a command to love within the body of Christ. They love other Christians. Let brotherly love continue. The second command has to do with strangers, those outside of your circle, maybe those out Christians outside of the congregation. Maybe these are just unbelieving Christian, unbelieving strangers. Because the word of hospitality literally means the love of strangers. It's primarily those outside the church, probably those from other cities. In your hospitality, you bring them in as Christians. You let them in your house. It's a command. The third command, though, has to do with loving those who are in prison. Chapter 13 and verse 3, remember those who are in prison as though in prison with them and those who are mistreated since you also are in the body. The context of Hebrews, these are certainly imprisoned believers who are imprisoned for their faith. That's not the situation here. This is not persecuted believers across the world. It's not the situation in the Winnebago County Jail. These inmates are in jail because of crimes they've committed against the state but most often they become believers in the jail. And as professing believers, they are worthy to be remembered as going through some very difficult times. When we arrived at Thursday uh, on the jail that, that evening, each of us went around and introduced ourselves. We started with the outsiders coming in and then the insiders. We set the pattern. And Gary asked each of us three questions. What's your name? Where do you live? Where do you come from? And why are you here? And I thought about that. I knew that was coming. And and it's interesting that most of the guys who shared talked about how much a blessing they get. That's why they're there. Um, but for me, when I, when I came, um, I'm thinking about it, and I said, uh, I've come to serve and to help you and bless you in whatever way I can. I know that's going to come back a blessing on me. I know that for sure. But I'm also coming to remember you, to know, to tell you, right, that we on the outside remember you. And when I said that, there was like this spontaneous like amen or thank you or, or just encouragement like that we from the outside came to remember them. And that meant such a, a great deal to their hearts that we would remember them enough to spend a weekend with them. I want you to look at verse 3, the reason why. Remember those who are in prison or how, right? Remember the, how are you supposed to remember them? As though in prison with them. As, and those who are mistreated, since you also are in the body. It says, remember those who are in prison who are going through difficulties, just even bodily, because you're, you have a body, they have bodies, and they're going through some difficult times. There's no better way to remember that fleshly aspect than going into prison to encourage people and experience everything they experience on a daily basis. But for us, it's easy, right? We're heroes coming in, they're applauding us, and we're well-received. It's not chaos like a, a normal jail pod. But it's not easy to go in the jail. In an effort to keep tempers down, the pods are kept very cold. The air conditioner is always on. There's always this constant... It's just air that's going down. That it's just there, and it's all the times, all day long, all night long. I was warned of how cold it was going to be, and so I wore jeans and a long sleeve button-down shirt. And I was comfortable in jail, but when I got out, it sure was nice to get out to the outside and sit in my car that had been heated by the sun. You know when you sit in a car and it's really hot? It, it felt really nice because it was just cold all the time. And that, that coldness is just in the pods. Once you get out of the pods, then it's a little warmer in the administrative section, right? Still air-conditioned, but still warmer. In fact, we were, like, we were walking in, right? I, I put my hands on something metal, and it was cold. So it's cold in there. Second, it's not easy to be in jail. The food's not so great. During our days, we ate the jail food. It's tolerable, but sure it's nice to come home and have some nice... What did we have last night? Chicken... Poppy seed chicken was sure better than the... I, I even, I mean, when we, we received our dinner last night, I said, now, what, what is this? 
And they said, oh, that's baloney. I was like, okay. <laughs> like, it, 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 was, it was not so good. So it was okay. It's okay. And I, I eat almost anything, right? I've gone on a mission strip and had some difficult things to eat, and this was not quite like that, but it's pretty bland and, and whatever. But we, we ate. It's not easy to be in the jail because you never see the sun. And we may take that for granted. One day was enough for me for not looking outside. A jail is different than a prison, right? A jail is where you've been accused of a crime but haven't been convicted yet, so it's a temporary holding place. It's intended to be temporary so it doesn't have like outside enclosures or rec yards or anything like that. The prisons do, which are long-term. Get, get the prisoners outside to be able to see what's going on. But it's inside. And I tell you, when I stepped outside, I could see beyond the 100 feet of the, the jail pod. That was refreshing. Can you imagine nine months of that. I met several guys who had been in there nine months never seeing the sun once. Top of that, there's the light. When you go to sleep at night, they just dim the lights a little bit. But the guards are going to check your room every half an hour. They're going to go by, and the light's got to be on enough just to make sure that you're in your cell doing okay. Every half an hour, they, they walk around. And I'm told every night... They open the cell door just to make sure you're there and awake. No eight hours of sleep ever because they're going to wake you up once a night just to make sure you're okay. Monthly, they're going to go in and, and raid your place just to check for contraband. It's not pleasant. But remember those who are in prison as though in prison with them and those who are mistreated since you yourself also are in the body. Another verse that addresses prisoners is chapter 10, verse 34 tells us to have compassion on those in prison. And nothing will create compassion like this than living in their shoes for a few days. Well, my weekend in jail blessed me. Now, to be sure, I came into jail to be a blessing behind, with those behind bars. And uh, I knew that, and I know for sure, that we were a blessing, right? Showing up is a blessing to these men. Showing that they hadn't been forgotten is a blessing to these men. The program that we brought in was surely a blessing to them as there was lots of Bible and lots of Scripture read all day Friday, all day Saturday with talks and conversations just about Christ and the gospel. The gospel is clear that your sins, though they are many, God's mercy is more. Right? Christ died on the cross for our sins. We believe in him and there is some hope right? because we brought a message of hope to these men. These men have little hope in this life. One guy I spoke with is going to be sentenced in July. He said, I pled guilty, and I'm facing a minimum of 14-year prison sentence, though he expects more. He said with tears in his eyes, when I get out, my two girls will be grown up. It's hard. And we bring the gospel of hope into the jail, that, that there's eternal hope to be had beyond this life. Just trust in Christ and believe that his sacrifice on the cross was, was sufficient. That he died on the cross, yes, but he, he lived again that we might, might live forever. We don't need to, 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 to do anything or to work or to labor. He's done it all. We simply trust in him and he'll give you the grace needed to walk through these difficult days. It's a message of hope. And, and surely we were a blessing of those in jail, but... In giving a blessing, I was, I was blessed as well. It's because, listen, God will bless you as you pour out your life for others. And this is true not just in jail ministry. This is true with all sorts of ministry. You get involved in a place where you're serving others and being a genuine help to them, and, and the blessing comes back to you, especially to those who are especially needy. And the verse I have there, Acts chapter 20 and verse 35, you can turn there if you want. Um, after talking about ministry with the, the Ephesian elders when he was at Miletus, wanting to get to Jerusalem, Paul concluded his message to them with these words. Verse 35, In all these things I have shown you that by working hard in this way we must help the weak and remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he himself said it's more blessed to give than to receive. And if anything I've pushed us at Rock Valley Bible Church over the years, be givers, right? Be giving of yourselves. And you'll find that that blessing will come back upon yourselves. See, because Jesus said, right, when you're in a position that is able to give and actually help someone who is in need, 
you're the one that receives the greater blessing. It's more blessed to give than it is to receive. Now, to receive when you're needy is a big blessing. But to be in a position where you can give that and provide that, the blessing is even greater. Now, this blessing is not financial. I'm not saying, right, to give and so you're going to get rich. This is not what it's about. But it's, it's, it's the deep down, deep down joy that God gives you. As, as you've been his hands and his feet to be true help to other people. I received more hugs this past from men this past weekend than I've received from you men this year. There's a blessing in that. One man came up to me just sobbing and blubbering and I, he just hugged me. Just sobbing and blubbering. I asked him if anything I could pray for him for anything, and he just blubbered and blubbered and blubbered. I said, I'm sorry, I can't understand you, but I know God does, and I just prayed for him. I found out later that his dad died. He just became a Christian just a, a few months ago. His dad passed away. Just deep down, but he's coming, and I give him a hug, and he gave me a hug. And it's a blessing to me especially when I see the impact that we're making on these men's lives. Now, one of the things I asked for you to do before we went into the weekend, so right, we've been preparing for this for a couple months, right, is to sign up for a half-hour prayer slot. Commit to pray for this weekend during that time so that 24 hours a day, all weekend long, someone was committed to pray for the weekend. At one point, and I was giving a talk, um, we rolled out this scroll of all the names and all the times of where people... Um, had committed to pray. So, so picture like we got this scroll and it's going all the way around our auditorium. It's kind of about 100 feet is, is what this thing was. Had names of people and times in which they're going to pray. We showed the residents that they're not forgotten. They're being prayed for. And one man said that just seeing that scroll brought me to tears. He says, my family wouldn't pray for me, but these strangers are praying for me. He said in tears, he says, this is overwhelming. If you want to bring a blessing, the next time this is done, it'll be known to you. You can sign up for a prayer time. Have your name there, and they'll read your name and go, huh, there's just another person on the outside who's praying for me. And pray. And that scroll was taped up on the, the top rail, right, that went around there. And you can only see some of it, but it had to come all the way around. And uh, just throughout the weekend, just people reminded that there are names of people who are remembering us to pray for us. And just throughout the weekend, you just saw these men looking up in wonder and awe of the people that had committed to pray for them. And, and seeing their wonder and awe was a blessing to me. Men, if you want to have that same wonder, come on a weekend. You can see that. One of the things also we invited you to this weekend was write letters to the residents, anonymous letters of blessing to those you've never met. I was greatly blessed to be able to hand these, these letters out to residences, and, and we put them in little paper bags, and, and I went around, put my arm around each guy, and, and I said, may the Lord bless you with these letters. Right? I went to another guy and said, may the Lord bless you with these letters. May the Lord bless you with these letters. And then, then we on the outside, we kind of stepped back. In terms of where this is, we, we, st- we stepped back here. They, we had some tables set up right there in the middle, and um, we just sang quiet songs, kind of serenading these um, these men, as they read the letters, kind of watched them. And, and um, I saw tears fill the eyes of some, tears streaming down their face, the eyes of some of these men. And I was especially keen to some of the men who were reading the letters that I had written because I'd written mine on some unique paper. And so kind of I looked around and said, oh, he's reading a note that I wrote. And um, just wondering what he's thinking. And the blessing I received in being able to write these letters and watch them read them far exceeded any labor that it took me to write them. And I wish for you men to know that same blessing, to write a letter to an anonymous guy, anonymous guy, and not only to give them, I mean, ladies, you can write letters too, and you give them, but men, you can see them read your letters and see the tears of gratitude because they often have family doesn't connect with him. I, I talked to one man um, who has a lot of contact with his family. I talked to another man. He has almost zero contact with his family. 
they can't quite figure out the technology, and he's not talked to them as parents for a long time. But we're talking to them, and they are not forgotten. And you can have that blessing. We're done. When we were done reading the letters, <clears throat> it took about a half an hour for them to read everything. We began mixing with his men again, and there was a man at my table who was just sobbing uncontrollably, just sobbing. Being overwhelmed, the kindness of so many who would take the time to write these letters. This wasn't just a photocopied book thing. This was actual labor of actually writing, actually demonstrating kindness where the power it is. And he says, these letters are powerful. Small words make a big difference. God is good. There are people on the outside who care for us. And another guy told me several times, please, please, thank those who wrote these letters to us. It means so much. Several times, thank those who wrote the letters to us. So if you wrote a letter, thank you. If you wrote several letters, if you wrote three, thank you, thank you, thank you. And you can start writing letters today for the next time. Just make it easy. Just write Write them, stack them up, and they'll, they'll go. After these letters, someone read a nice story just about this fictional story about a wall that someone built that kind of keeps going higher and higher, and there's stones on the, names on the stones of the things that they erected. And it just is a story just to try to say, hey, don't push people out. You need people. And that, that story was read for about 15 minutes or so. And then after that, we at our table were told to uh, just talk about that and the guy who had been sobbing over the letters said, I still can't get over the letters. This is like 15 minutes later. After listening to the story, right, to get your mind off the story, he couldn't talk about that because he still couldn't get over the letters. I saw many tears this weekend. These are tough criminals. Told him to stand firm, not show weakness. It tears flowed this weekend. One man even said, tears are a great cleansing of the soul. One guy said, you know, I came in, and, and, and this guy, you know, I'm, he's been there maybe six months or so. He said, he came when I first came in. I, I got to be tough, right, out there in the chaos of the pot. I got to be tough. But he said, when I went to my cell, I, I cried every night, but never in front of everybody. He said, this is the first time I've ever cried in front of other people, just because it was a loving, accepting community there. It's totally different. You can cry at Rock Valley Bible Church. You have some people around you to, to gather with you and to pray with you. It's okay here. We're a safe place. But they don't know that safe place until this weekend comes. It's such a blessing for them. I was blessed by their eagerness for the word. They're diligently taking notes. They look forward to their discipleship classes. Like one guy talks about I was discipleship class on Tuesday. He says, I can't wait. Tuesday is the highlight of my week. The one time they kind of get out of the pod, they walk down the hallway just, just like one door, and then they go into a classroom where they get to meet and talk about Christianity and learn just, and be discipled. One time a week, I think 90 minutes maybe. Best time of the week. They're eager for the Word. They're open to learning whatever they can, and they have a lot of time. A lot of these guys know and have been reading and studying just the Bible's their text. I'm blessed by their eagerness to pray. We've had several open prayer times. I've been there. Just pray short, real simple prayers. Lord, thank you for this. God, forgive me for this. You know, just so it's not someone big, long, and drawn out. And the difficulty isn't lengthy silence, which is often difficulty in our church. We have prayer meetings. The difficulty is two people trying to pray at the same time. That they start to pray, and then there's conflict. So many are eager to pray. Why are they eager to pray? You don't need to teach a hungry man how to beg. That's why they're eager to pray. Those were filled and satisfied. It's difficult. There's much to be learned that I was blessed by those residents. They were blessed. I was blessed even more. It is more blessed to give than to receive. Now, one of the biggest reasons this weekend blessed me is because I spent time with Jesus. Matthew 25, you can open that there. It's kind of strange. What do you mean you spent time with Jesus? Now, Jesus wasn't there in the cell, was he? He wasn't there in the pod. I say, no, these men aren't, aren't Jesus. They're not perfectly righteous. They have sinned. They've committed crimes against society that are bad enough that they're paying for it now. But Jesus said, right, you spend time with those in prison, 
you spent time with me. Matthew chapter 25, look at verse 31. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all his angels with him, with, by the way, we're studying Revelation, right? When Christ is coming in all his glory, that's what we're hoping towards. Oh, come, Lord Jesus, what we're studying. Then he will sit on his glorious throne, and before him will be gathered all the nations, and he will separate one people, people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the gates. And he placed the sheep on the right and the goats on the left. And then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. And here's the reason why the, the kingdom was prepared. For I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. Hebrews 13 verse 2. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. I was in prison and you came to me. Jesus says I'm in prison. Like that's weird, right? Strange. And the righteous, verse 37, will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you a drink? And when did we see you a stranger and welcome you or naked and clothe you? And when did we see you sick or in prison visit you? Like we didn't see you. We certainly would have given you a drink and clothed you. And if you were in prison, certainly we would have gone to you. And verse 40, here's the key, right? As the king will answer them, Truly I say to you, as you did it to the one of the least of these brothers, you did it to me. It's a shocking passage. It's shocking because those who are standing before Jesus don't realize that the needs around us are Jesus. To the extent that you've done it to the least of these, you've done it to me. And so when you help the hungry or thirsty or stranger or naked or sick or the one in prison, you're, you're helping Jesus. And when you neglect those, you neglect Jesus. In fact, neglecting is, verse 41, worthy of condemnation. Verse 41, and then he will say to those on his left, depart from me, you cursed, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. Same list. I was hungry and you gave me no food. I was thirsty, you gave me no drink. I was a stranger and you did not welcome me. Naked, you did not clothe me. Sick and in prison, you did not visit me. Then they also will answer, That's, what are you talking about? Lord, if you were hungry, I would have given you something to eat. If you were naked, I would have clothed you. Right? I would have welcomed you. If you were in prison, I would have gone and visited you. And they will also answer, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or stranger or prison and not minister to you? In verse 45, then he will answer them, saying, Truly I say to you, as you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. And these will go away to eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. Now, this is shocking because it seems like it's even on the basis of this that Jesus rewards some with heaven and condemns others to hell to eternal punishment. Now, it's not that you earn your way to heaven, right? That's the Scripture. The Scripture doesn't seek that at all. You don't earn your way by, by helping the needy and by visiting people in jail and by clothing them. Rather, it's just that such actions are the fruit of a life that believe in Jesus that they don't even realize that this is Jesus that doing it. They're just overflowing with love and grace and kindness toward other people. And prison, jail, happens just to be one category. And so the, the question for all of you is this. Are these things in your life? Have you visited anyone in jail and prison? Well, one way you can talk to Gary to aim on my message. Unless, by the way, this is focused on the men. Unless, by the way, you think that, oh, it's just the men, right? We talked this morning in prayer meeting about, help me now, what's it called? The Women's Ministry, the Pregnancy Care Center. It's called Embrace Grace, right? You can visit help women in distress. Maybe you don't go to a jail, but there's opportunities through the Pregnancy Care Center to help women who are really needy. Right? Those that are pregnant happen to keep their child need a lot of help. And will we as a church be hands and feet to help that? Will you be hands and feet to help that? So the women go, oh, shoo, this is just for the men going to jail. No, there's other things for you women as well, which is a, a time-consuming, very difficult ministry. May we as a church be able to embrace such a ministry and such women who need such help. So don't if you're a woman, talk to Maggie. Is that okay? Sure, okay, thank you. <laughs> It'd be hard if you said no. <laughs> awkward. No, you can't talk to me. That would be awkward. But. Or talk to Darren, or, or, or Brian. He's the president of the board, right? So talk to Brian. You can talk to him, right? Or Amanda. You talk to Amanda. She works there, right? That, that works too, right? 
I mean, just women don't feel like you're, I mean, you can support your husband to go to the jail. Husbands, you can support your wives to just give yourselves to needy, needy women. <clears throat> and again, right, I, I think that's the spirit of Matthew 25. Are these things welling up within you? Is this a natural response? Is this, like, I can help. And, and it's more blessed to give. Am I going to help Jesus? Let's move on to my, my next point. I have seven points. My seventh one's really short, so this is my last big point. Um, my weekend in jail will trust God for fruit. And I'm going to trust God for fruit. When one of his talks, the, the chaplain, one of the jail chaplain, Dave Thurman, shared that one of his biggest sorrows in life is seeing so many of these men on fire for the Lord in jail turn away when they return outside. Over 20 years, he's seen that often. Probably the majority of, of those in the jail. Um, so I'm not naive to think that, oh, all this stuff is really good, and these men are right, and they're on the right track. They're on the right track, yes, but I fully know that many of them, they get outside with the temptations of the world, and uh, when they get their drugs, they're off drugs inside, mostly. I think they can get some, but often off that, and they're sane, and they're thinking, and they're doing well, but as soon as they get outside and get the substances and get their bad friends, they just walk down the same route. There's several guys in there. I remember one guy said, yeah, Dave, yeah, we go back a long ways. <laughs> like, okay, if you've been back, that means you've been in and out, in and out, in and out, in and out. There are lots of repeat offenders there for sure. But this danger of walking astray when they get outside is on the minds of those who experience the weekend. They realize the high they're experiencing, and they understand it's so much better than drugs or alcohol. Understanding the peace that comes through Christ when walking his ways. Like one man told me that he said, um, yeah, if I live like this, I wouldn't have to fear the police. I wouldn't have to fear what's going to come upon me, right? Like tonight, I could sleep well because there's nothing to accuse him of. The police isn't going to go up to you and say, oh, you're walking too much like a Christian, right? And come and get you, right? But he's fearful because he knows the sinful life he's been living and the, how the cops are going to come get him. They also realize when they get out how available the drugs are, how their old friends are around, how the old habits kick in, and danger they will not continue on to follow after Jesus Christ. And Jesus says those who endure until the end will be saved. They realize there's a difficulty there. And this weekend, right, many men talked about how easy is it turn, to turn to God in difficult times. They said, this is easy, right? This is, right? God has, has taken some things away from us. But how difficult is it, they say, to turn to God when things are good, like when they're on the outside and they have money and a place to stay, and they can go to a restaurant. Like, that was a big thing. We can go to a restaurant. They don't get restaurant food where, where they are. It's on the forefront of their minds. They understand the major issues. They understand how the difficulties of life have brought them to God. <clears throat> I just have a couple quotes that I wrote down when someone said something good. I said, he said, it took two years of God taking everything away from me to come to him. But I'm grateful that God is real. So in other words, like two years away, taking everything away from him, finally the arrest, and you're in the slammer, and now he realizes the blessing of where he is. One man said, I, I'm 15 years, I was at war with God. I blamed God for everything. But he says, even this weekend, I, I saw it wasn't God. It was me and my dark decisions. Now I know that God is there. He'll forgive me. This weekend was a miracle to me. I'm going to continue to be a soldier for God. And all these men have this resolve. Yes, I'm going to be there. And yet, who knows? And I'm not naive saying, hey, this is wonderful. Like, I can spend two days with these guys and like, solve their life problems. That's where we're going to be. No, it's not. But I can pray. I can pray they might continue in their faith. And, and I know and I trust the Lord for the fruit that comes from my ministry the weekend in jail. Um, in fact, these, these are the guys who are really laboring. Like, I just did one weekend. What's two days? These guys are in there every day. John Evans, Dave Thurman. And we had some training sessions. On, we've had some training sessions Saturday. I think this was probably a week and a half ago, two weeks ago. John Evans was here, and, and he shared a little devotional about an encouragement. He says from Matthew chapter 16 and verse 18, and Jesus talking about his, his church. You want to turn there, you can. Whatever, it's a real simple phrase. Many of you know it. I will build my church. He said, when you come to the point to embrace the fact that Jesus will build his church, it's great comfort to you. 
Our job, he said, we don't have to build the church. Jesus will build his church. We're not responsible for the growth of the church. Jesus will do that. We simply need to labor and share the word and trust God for the results. And I guess that's, that's what my plan is this weekend. I'm going to trust the Lord for any fruit that he produces from this weekend. My labor is small, focusing on just mostly a handful of guys around our tables. We talk through the talks and, and we process through with them. So we listen to talk and kind of talk with them. There are 11 talks this weekend. Um, but I mixed with other guys and I you know, had lunch with other guys and I got to know them. But my, my labor was small. There were 11 other guys, focus their attention upon a handful of guys. More guys would be necessary. They talked about how thin our staff was. Gary Lundberg, as he led the weekend, spent far more time in preparing than I did. I just kind of went along. But these chaplains are doing the heavy lifting. And one of the chaplains, though, shared with me how it works in jail. Jesus built his church, John Evans. He said this. He said, they hold discipleship training classes throughout the week, but the real ministry happens when these guys go back into the pod, these Christians learning about the Bible, go back into the pods. They're living with the residents. They live out their, their faith in a difficult environment, and these are the ones leading the inmates to Christ. He said, they don't come to Christ in our classes. They come to Christ in the pods and then come here to learn and to be trained about what Jesus means and says, we just come along and strengthen those who want to be strengthened in the scriptures. But the real war happens in there. And they're coming out. So they understand. They're just, they're just spreading the word and letting God do his work to build the church. So really, actually, it's these guys who are doing the heavy lifting. Now, this picture, they're, they're not believers, right? This is just a picture I found on the internet someplace. But they're the ones that the believing residents are, are trying to reach, right? You got some guys playing cards here, and they talk about they got the poker table, and some guys play chess, and so they gamble, and, and uh, well, one guy said, well, what do you do? Whenever there's social time, he's walking around the pod. 26 times around the pod's a mile. He says, I walk for three hours every day. He says in the morning before he gets up, he does 700 push-ups just to keep fit. Did you get your 700 push-ups in there in today? <laughs> I didn't think so. They got time. But these are the ones doing the heavy lifting. <clears throat> All we can do is trust God for fruit. I, I'm under no illusion that my little time there is going to do any great thing. Maybe it will. Maybe the guy I keep in contact with I write when he goes to prison. I don't know. After the testimony time, there's a guy. Get, we had an open mic testimony last week, last night. And a guy gave a testimony. He said he knew it was coming up, so he wrote it out. And I thought it was articulate, sharing his own way in which he came to Christ sharing just the impact of the weekend and sharing of just how we need to press on after this and his exhortation to the, the fellow men, the brothers in the prison, in the jail. <clears throat> I, I said, after he read that, I said, can I share that with my church tomorrow morning? He said, sure, and he gave it to me. And just to give you the, the idea of how much time these guys have, there's someone else who asked it for it as well, and he came up and he said, oh, Steve, um, this guy asked for it. Uh, can I have that back? I want to copy it for him. You're copying me? Here, let, let me just take that, and I'm going to write it down for him so he knows, so he can have a copy of that. I said, no, no, there's an administrative room. Uh, we'll leave, and I'll copy it for him when we get to the administrative room. Here's what he said. This was last night. He said, this is my second time attending the spiritual weekend, and both times have made me experience a high. A high that no drug can give and no bottle can give and no thrill can give. It's a high only the Holy Spirit can give. I was the type of person who accepted God but only relied on Him when times got tough. I lived life on my own terms without God as a backup. And what did that get me? A criminal record, an addictive personality, a divorce, failed and tarnished relationships, fines, fights, and endless amount of stress. I was putting myself first instead of Him above all. And I know a few things are certain. The man that walked in here Thursday is even stronger in his walk with God today. My family has grown larger with my brothers in Christ. As they, these guys, they don't know them. They're in other pods. They have no contact with them, but they got to get together to see a bigger picture. It's like they went to big church this weekend, right? They went to the mega church. There's lots of people. I'm super encouraged by that. He says, I'm no longer on death row, is what he says. Not literally, but he says, there's a reason why there's a highway to hell and a stairway to heaven. I got to stop looking in the rearview mirror 
We've got to stop looking in the rearview mirror of our past and start looking through the windshield of the future. I, I don't know about you guys, but I'm tired of driving. I'm pulling over and letting Jesus take the wheel. March 16th, 2023 at 10.55 p.m. March, April, May, June. That's like three months ago. At 10.55, in his cell, <clears throat> not with the chaplains, not with the people, but it, it was the, the people in the pod sharing the gospel with him. He says, I was on my knees in tears, praying and became born again. I felt the power of the Holy Spirit take the weight of guilt, shame, and stress I was bearing. I'll never forget it. But the real test starts when we leave the pod here and go back to the other pods. The noise and negativity is going to hit you like a ton of bricks, and the devil's going to start attacking you, and you will face persecution. Stay strong, my brothers. And remember Philippians 4, verse 13, I can do all things in Christ who strengthens me. And we can just trust God for the fruit that he'll give, the life of him, the life of the others. And one last point. My weekend in jail will come again. Three months from now, another weekend will come. And I had several men asking me, are you going to come again? I, said, I think I will. It was rewarding for me to attend and be involved. It takes some work, but it's not really so hard. It's just a sacrifice of being away. I think I'll come again. Are you? Let's be the hands and feet of Jesus. Let's pray. Father, this is one weekend of experience that I had that I knew and anticipated that many of these things would happen. And <clears throat> thankful, oh God, for the work of the, the chaplains and for the favor that you have given with the administration. That's not the same with every jail. And Father, I pray even right now as they are, are there meeting and I will join them in an hour or so. God, I pray that they would be encouraged by the things that they have seen, that you would give them the strength to press on. God, that you would be the one, God, to carry forth fruit of the Spirit, that they would have love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, self-control. God, things that they don't have on the outside world, that now they've come and experienced a difference. I pray that it would be long-lasting. God, really, it's your grace. They will be out of my contact. Um, some of them, I'm sure, will be back in three months. Um, but most of them with the jail will, will filter out, and there'll be a, a new batch in three months of peoples and lives to really connect. And, Lord, I would pray, even as the aim of my message, that there would be some more men here who would want to come. We made three out of 12 from Rock Valley Bible Church. We're on the team this past weekend, and may there be a higher percentage of that this next weekend as there are are many needs of many ears that need to be there to listen to these men, to share with them their struggles, and to come back and pray for them. My table, I have the, the dates, um, oh Lord, of all their next court date, and I've promised them I'll pray for them. I'll just put that on my schedule, come up, and I'll pray for them on that day. And just pray that you would be gracious to these men for the glory of Christ, for the eternal kingdom. Stir us as a church, stir us individuals. God, to be alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord, setting our minds on eternal things where eternal fruit is born. We thank you and bless you. Thank you, God, for this morning. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.